When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey guys, before we get started today, I want to let you know that this podcast is brought to you by the Tiny Survival Guide and Card. These are two fantastic resources to keep with you at all times. And best of all, you can go over to Kickstarter right now to get yours first before they go live to the general public. Simply search Tiny Survival Guide over on kickstarter.com or click the link in the description below. Hey guys, welcome to the Survival Show podcast. This is going to be a break it down segment, special segment with Craig and me, David, and producer Ben. Who knows where producer Ben is, where it's our job to take you guys step by step through the mindset, skills, tactics, and gear you need to survive any crisis, emergency, or disaster. And we want to make sure that we pull out of this lessons that you can learn today so you can thrive in your life tomorrow. Craig? Yeah, today, guys, we're going to do another spinoff, and we're going to do everything we can to keep this around the 15-minute time frame. David, listen to this word right here. Yeehaw. <laughs> you hear that? I did hear that. Okay, so that's your cue, my friend. When you start getting long-winded, or I get long-winded, <laughs> we are going to say yeehaw to rein that horse in so we can keep this at 15 minutes. Can you do that for me? We will do that. Absolutely. <laughs> but what we wanted to do today, you all, is we usually do something along the lines of a thumbs up, thumbs down on a specific item, like we've done radios and we've done any number of things. But today, what I wanted to do is look at a broad subject, the three things that make a fire, ignition source, fuel source, and oxygen, just fire starters. So what I thought we'd do nice. is go down the list and we'll give it a thumbs up or a thumbs down from both David and I. I'm going to yeehaw him in a couple of times, I'm sure, because he God, he gets crazy on fire. Me? Fire. <laughs> Dude, you just talked about water for 10 minutes. so Water's, water's exciting. I know. It's, it's important. It's not exciting, though. It's important, but it's not exciting. All right, number one, a simple butane lighter like a big lighter. Thumbs up or thumbs down? Thumbs David. up, big thumbs up. Number thumbs one, up big, me. big, huge yeah. thumbs up. Yeah, I like it. I'll tell you what you can also get to add to it is an ExoTac Titan sleeve, which keeps it waterproof. Uh, nice. I have, I have my Bix in that, so uh, that is something to uh, consider as well. I just wrap, I wrap my the heads of mine in duct tape, one just for the duct tape because it can help fi- start a fire and a bunch of other things. But that also protects the uh, gas from discharging and also... If your lighter gets bumped a bit, the head's not going to snap off as easily. So hmm. there you go. Yeah. Good one. Yeah. All right. So a couple of things to keep in mind with a big lighter is it takes one hand to light it and hold it and keep the flame going. That's That seems unimportant, but that's important. Mm-hmm. You have Good to point. hold that button down as well as they don't work when it's exceptionally cold. So you got to keep them warm, keep them in a pocket close to your body or rub them on your body to warm them up if you're having trouble getting them started. And, uh, Again, they don't work real well when they're wet. So do like David's doing with the duct tape or ExoTac or something of that nature. So good choices for you. All right. Next up is 
uh, white gas, like lighter fluid lighter, such as a Zippo? Thumbs up or thumbs down? You know, it's a thumbs up because it's so close to a Bic and you can recharge it yourself. And typically, if you buy well, you're going to get something that's a lot higher quality with some replaceable elements in it with a Zippo. I just personally don't use them. Yeah, I don't either. I mean, I tried for years, but the Zippos just kept the fuel evaporated. I tell you what I did get, and I'm I'm not, man. I mean, Exotac is not paying me to say this, but I'm going to say bring their name up again. Sponsor. Yeah, I know. That's <laughs> what I, mean. I need to heart these guys. Uh, Exotac makes a, a lighter called the Titan Light, and it works exactly like a Zippo. The big thing that's a huge difference is it has an O-ring on the bottom and an O-ring on the top. So it's the fuel does not evaporate as easily uh, and it keeps it from getting uh, wet as well. So huge in that it keeps the elements from getting wet and being such that it can't be used. Great. All right. I've got nothing else to say on that one. What's next? Ferro rods. <laughs> what are your thoughts on ferro cerium rods? Well, I mean, a huge thumbs up. I mean, I, I carry a ferro rod duct tape to the inside of my wallet, so I, I'm just a big fan. But I'm I'm going for my lighter. I almost never have to use a ferro rod. I use a ferro rod when I want to practice some skills. Mm-hmm. I I don't I don't use it when I'm necessarily when I'm camping out or anything like that. I'll go for the lighter all day. What do you? How about you? A uh, few things on ferro rods. Number one, a lot of people give the what's called the mish metal ones a hard time. I don't. Uh, mish metal is they call it a subpar metal, and that they're softer and they don't last as long. Okay, so it's going to last eight thousand strikes instead of ten thousand. Uh, not a problem in Craig's pocket. <laughs> and the reason I say that is because the harder ones are harder to scrape. And so me, Craig Cottle, judo guy, farm boy, I don't have any trouble scraping a hard ferro rod. Some of the students that come to a class, like we've got some younger kids, uh, we've got some people that don't have the same kind of grip strength as me, they have trouble scraping those harder ferro rods. And so a mish metal one that's a softer metal is going to be a, is going to be something to consider. Yeah, with the softer ones, there is an advantage to that, though, because sometimes when the conditions are a little bit more difficult. I'll just, even before I, I spark much, I will take that uh, material and scrape it off into a pile. And the softer ones just make that easier to do. Yeah. I made a video on that last week for our Instagram. And uh, people were amazed by the fact that you could just scrape a ferro rod and get material off of it. It's kind of like the old magnesium rods, which I, I, I personally I don't know if that's on here, but I'm, I don't use those anymore for some, some various reasons, mostly because the quality has gone down, but you can use a ferro rod much the same way. You scrape yeah, off exactly. that material and that's going to ignite and that's going to give you a really nice, big, bright, hot uh, ignition source. I'm a big fan for the same reason as talking about grip strength of having a ferro rod that has a big handle on it. If you have the ability to carry it, like I, I'm like David, I carry one uh, with me that's small and compact and it's easy easily carried but the the one that i keep in my bag the one i keep in my go bag has a big handle on it in case i'm injured make it easier if like i have a broken thumb easier for me to hang on to and and again the same thing with people with uh, weaker grip strength they can hang on to those a lot easier and make them work if i if i teach a class in fire building which i do a lot and i've got people that are having trouble making a fire with a ferro rod I will always give them this ferro rod that I have that has a big handle on it. And then they'll do it every time. It makes all the difference in the world. All right. Next. 
Flint and Steel. What are your thoughts? You know, I love Flint and Steel. It was it was the staple ferrocerium thing long before we had the technology of the magnesium and ferrocerium rods. I think it's fantastic. I just see it more used in, in people that want to be in reenacting um, traditional bushcraft, all those sorts of things. I think it's a skill. I think it's it's another way to do it, if, especially if you live in an area where you have uh, flint, which I live in an area surprisingly, Craig, we don't have Flint here. I know you yeah. all do down in, in Kentucky. I'm all for it. It's a it's a quite a bit more of a skill and a technique. It's it's kind of that next level between uh, uh, skill and, and uh, then a ferro rod is. W- what are your thoughts? Same. I feel the same way. If you're going to make a fire with Flint steel, you almost always, to make it work efficiently, you want to have char cloth or charred material like i've charred punky wood or cloth too i've done both and to do that that's all stuff that you have to carry and it's all stuff that when the char cloth gets wet it's not going to work it's got to dry out so again that's why we put lighter up top first because you know it works and if you carry them properly it works when it's wet if you're going to carry something then carry the most efficient tool that you can carry Um, for example the next one on the list is a fire piston And the only people that need to be carrying a fire piston are people that are just hobbyists and they're playing with survival. It's cool. I like doing, I've got one and I like playing with it and I use it sometimes just to do it, but trying to improvise and make that in the field for your typical person is going to be nearly impossible, which means you're going to carry a fire piston. And if you're smart enough to take something like a fire piston and put it in your bag, then put a lighter in there with some fast fire or and or a ferro rod and you're going to be much better prepared and it's going to be easier to use yeah i I don't even want to get into the mechanics honestly of fire piston i I see it as more of a novelty item although you mentioned that uh, historically there have been some primitive fire pistons made i'm not sure how you do that unless you have incredible incredible uh, camp bushcraft skills but there even when you have one that is is just pre-made they can be quite difficult they take some strength they take some technique to make work so well i mean what got this conversation started and and the reason i threw it in there is one of our students sent me a video of a guy making a fire piston craig what do you think about this well i think it just took eight minutes for that dude to make that and he used a drill press he used a bandsaw he used a hacksaw he used uh screws he used on and on and on. Just just keep adding on. He used a, a rubber O-ring. None of that do you find on the fire piston tree growing in your local forest. <laughs> so you, ha- you have just, a way with words. <laughs> I'm just not a fan of it, man. I'm just not a fan of that kind of stuff. I, I am a fan for playing, but not not for just this is what uh, what we need. All right. So bow drill. Bow drill. Bow drill. Bow drill. You know, bow drill is another one of those. Like, honestly, I think it's good for your character to learn how to do bow drill. <laughs> I think uh, we we do teach that. I know I'm pretty sure you teach that in your advanced survival. And when we've done the uh, ultimate survival challenge level one, I really pushed to at least give people. That's it's kind of that one thing that everybody really wishes wishes they at least got a chance to do once. So we incorporate that in our trainings, Craig. I would say that um, a, a fairly high percentage of people get it, but we give them we give them some, you know, pretty good materials to work with because you not only have materials, 
you not only have knowledge, but you have skill and technique that have to all combine to essentially rub two sticks together and, and make a fire. So I, I think it's a fantastic thing to know how to do. I think it, it would be, we would, the world would be a better place if everybody knew how to do it, but I'd never carry a bow drill kit on a, on a, you know, airplane. Yeah, <laughs> you know, sure. I, I don't, I don't travel with one. <laughs> That's not the point. Right. <laughs> what do you have to say about it? Same thing. Uh, I, I think it's a good character builder. I think it's I th- one thing that you didn't mention is that it's good for helping people determine different wood consistencies, thicknesses, densities, and how they all work together because that plays a huge role in fire building in general. And so by studying the woods that you need and how they're different for the different pieces of a bow drill set, I think that teaches a lot about people, a lot about nature and wood. So I think it's valuable for that. But as far as a go-to fire starting source, not so much. As far as a primitive means for fire building in a survival situation, I would much rather go with a hand drill because there's less moving parts or less things that are needed. Uh, it does take a considerable amount more. It seems to me, it seems like more people have trouble doing hand drill than bow drill, but uh, doing a hand drill is going to be, you know, it's basically two pieces and with the right technique, you can make it happen. But again, there's some ways to improvise bow drill with one hand and it's not as easy to do that with a hand drill. So you gotta, you gotta consider both. That's good. Are we going to talk more about hand drill or are we going to move on to your next one? Uh, pump drills the same way. Pump drill requires cordage, anything. And this is what I say about people with a bow drill. Everybody talks about making a bow drill kit and making stuff from the environment, all that stuff. And then they use cordage that they've got in their pack or they take their shoestring out of their boot or whatever. And they use modern. I mean, Come on. If you're going to do it, then do it. Come on. Come on now. Make some. I mean, I, I did a video series with a new knife that was a collaboration between SE and LT Wright where I, I showed people how to make cordage from hickory bark about four weeks ago. So if you don't know how to make hickory bark, get on my uh, YouTube channel. I show you how to make a, a, I show you how to take a little tiny uh, hickory tree and make cordage. So you need to be able to make your own cordage, too. There's all kinds of ways of doing it. Fire plow. What do you think about that? That is the next. That is truly rubbing two sticks together, isn't it? It is. If you don't know what fire plow is, it's it's the thing that um, Tom Hanks utilized on Castaway. Right, right, right. Yep. So check that out. See how long it took him to get it. That's probably about how long it's going to take you to get it. <laughs> That's no joke, man. I mean, it's uh, Steve Watts was the consultant for that movie. Steve Watts passed away now, but fantastic primitive skills instructor, modern skills instructor, actually, too. But but uh, he gave a they gave a realistic interpretation of making a fire plow fire. I mean, it the way it just kind of combusted and woo, it's got a big fire. It doesn't work that way. But the amount of effort he had to put into it, that was realistic. Unless you already have a pre-made set and you've got a lot of experience, it's going to take quite a while to do that. So I'm not a fan of it. It, it, it really, there's, there have been some videos on, on YouTube where, you know, some dude, I don't, I don't remember who he was, but he was like a Polynesian dude. And it was an awesome, hmm. it was really an awesome video. It, it's got like 50 million views, but he's working with some very specific materials. There are certain did he use bamboo? regions. Of, he did not use bamboo. I did it once with bamboo and it was actually a lot easier than utilizing the wood that I normally use here in Kentucky. And I actually got it pretty quick, but I had somebody stand over top of me telling me exactly what to do with that material. 
Uh, and so, you know, I, I wouldn't have been able to figure that out on my own. I don't think, well, it would have taken a lot of effort, I, I should say. Um, so there is that. With, with, with the materials that we have here up in the Northeast in the woodlands, it is, it is a very, very, very difficult to do with some, some different, uh, desert or highland materials or, or even some jungle materials, your probability starts to go up a bit if you know what you're doing. That's that's all I got to say. All right. Fire saw? Fire saw. Bamboo. Yeah. If you have bamboo, it's just, it's got to be, it cannot be green at all. It has got to be seasoned well. I've only seen this done. I've never done this one at all. I've only seen another instructor do it, so... I don't know anything about it. Again, these are we're, we're into we're in, into some really cool things to develop your skills. And I want to I want to just circle back on that, Craig, because you mentioned that with we talked a little bit about this with Bodril. And the reason I say the world would be a better place if everybody at least tried to and eventually got a Bodril fire is because one, it'll humble you bad, especially if you're doing it out of complete primitive materials. Two, it's going to get you out to do some stuff Mm -hmm. and three you're gonna learn how to you're gonna you're gonna have to develop some skills you're gonna have to learn some things about your mentality yourself your physical skills your capabilities your ability to endure hardship and i think all of the things that we just talked about bow drill hand drill pump drill fire plow and fire saw all of these things will do the same for you it'll just make you a better Mm -hmm. person i agree So, guys and gals, we hope you liked this shorter segment. Let us know what you think. Check us out at thesurvivalshow.com. Go over to Patreon, all that sort of good stuff. Craig's going to tell you a little bit more about all that right now. Subscribe to the podcast now. It's free. Did I say it's free? I did say it's free. (laughs) It's free. And in all seriousness, it really helps us out. So, please do that. And you can give us a five-star rating if you enjoy the show, which we certainly hope you do. Give us that feedback over on Patreon so that we can get in people that you like to hear and we can talk about topics between us, David and I, that you'd like to hear about. So click the link in the description below to grab uh, any links that are available to you about what we've talked here today. That's stuff, videos, that's gear, that's all kinds of cool stuff. That's going to cover the tips, tactics, giveaway, skills. Oh my gosh, the giveaway, the giveaway. Psst. Hey, Talk about the giveaways. I got a secret. You got, Everybody you got 12 seconds. <laughs> There's a secret. We're going to be giving all kinds of stuff away in February. So join us on Patreon at the $5 and above levels, and you're going to get in at some sweet giveaways. So check it out. That's all I'm going to say. That's all I'm going to say right now. All right, guys. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time on the Survival Show Podcast. Keep it simple, be positive, and stay sharp. Stay sharp.